the data they actually have is a gold mine, technically speaking. COVID was a big thing when it comes to from a technology adoption point of view. So when we talk about data, right? Data means you need to have some tools. Tools means technology. And COVID was a big factor in terms of at least people started talking about online ordering. People started about delivery technologies. People started talking about point of sale systems. And what I would assume is with chat GPT also coming into play, because that, again, it all depends on the trends, right? When Facebook started and everyone was on Facebook and all the restaurants said, hey, I want to be on social media. From a tipping point of view, right? Like I would see all these tools are generating data and that I can actually use this data for better outcomes from a business standpoint of view, whether it is operations or marketing. And that tipping point to me is maybe within the next two to five years. Just stop it. The -the run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum, bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women with errors in their backs who go through hell to achieve their goals. They'll go through anything to make it. They bathe in hell and high water, a cut above. They're intolerant to mediocrity, the status quo, and yet they're the nicest people you'll ever meet. This is Disruption Interruption, Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. This show is sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry expert that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Today's guest and episode is all about restaurant marketing, how 40% of restaurants close in five years, what is being disrupted, and how this is helping the economy. Our guest is a serial entrepreneur and has been working with restaurants since 2012, and he saw a gap that needed to be filled, organized and data-driven approach to marketing, coming to us live from Texas, and also a new American citizen. Please welcome our disruptor, founder and CEO of MConnect, Seshu Matabushi. Hi, Seshu. Hi, Carla. Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks for having me on the show. It's a privilege to become a U.S. citizen, and it's a privilege to be on the show. That's awesome. Well, welcome in more ways than (laughs) one, and I'm really glad you became a U.S. citizen, and you're in my favorite state. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm from Texas, right? Absolutely. I do. I do. Yes. We Texans were proud. I just saw a t-shirt yesterday. A lady was wearing it. It said, Texaholic. <laughs> Actually, there's a running joke, right? Like three U.S. citizens, they go to some different country and all of them are asked, where are you from? The first two say, I'm from U.S. And the third one says, I'm from Texas. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Before we get into this whole restaurant scene, which I think is really interesting because they were seriously disrupted in a very bad way during COVID, but tell our listeners, what is your personal main ingredient for disruptive innovation? If you look at a restaurant, right, like obviously a lot of people actually interact with a restaurant, whether it's a mom and pop or whether it's a chain. But even with a chain also, it's at the local level because it's like owned by a local person, like a franchisee location, right? So there are multiple touch points and these touch points 
lot of customer data that is being given to the restaurant either voluntarily or there are options for the restaurant owner to kind of hey prod the customer saying that can you give me this kind of data and all those things so the primary ingredient for me when it comes to a restaurant or customer engagement perspective is the data that can be collected and that can at at each of these touch points and that could be used to buy the restaurant owner to kind of understand more about the customer understand their preferences and based on that try to serve that particular customer in a way that the customer feels privileged and also kind of saying hey this particular restaurant owner they know about me and it's great that they can actually differentiate me from the rest of the crowd so i would say that using data from all these touch points by a restaurant owner is very crucial i'll give a very simple example so there is a indian restaurant right next door so every time i walk in or whenever i see this owner/manager he remembers every single customer and whenever they walk in they say hey bob how are you doing long time no see hey seshu long time no see kind of a thing right like so it's absolutely critical that when i walk in it's not i'm just not standing there or waiting for someone so it's a personalization thing i mean i've been to many restaurants where i've been there many times as a local and i'm not always recognized as a repeat customer and it really does make a difference when you are i think this is a really pivotal time for small businesses with technology especially since covid being a catalyst technology and this data driven approach can really help the SMBs compete with the goliaths and i know you're a serial entrepreneur and you've done other ventures not just in restaurants but restaurants is particularly a passion of yours would you say that a data driven approach has always been sort of at the core of what you've looked at when you've done your various ventures Yes to a certain extent but to be very frank I did learn the data driven approach over years right in the sense that it's not just that all of a sudden I became the data guru from day one I wouldn't say that way but I would <laughs> definitely say that like from my point of view I'm a very analytical person so the way I look at things is the basic primary reason a business stays is is they're either trying to sell a product or a service to a customer so i always think from a customer's perspective as to like how can a customer know about this particular business what are the ways and means in which they can understand the product or the service and what are the different channels through which they are searching for this product or service and how they can actually the business reach through these channels and what should be the positioning strategy and all those kind of things right again that always had been the core concept understood and learned and also going through the b school i've understood that concept and and obviously based on that the data part is an extension saying that okay if i'm looking at a customer what are the different demographics and psychographic information that i can actually try to collect or understand so that this data can be used from a pure marketing slash positioning slash sales perspective well let's back it up further okay because we're down the funnel on the solution but we haven't really painted the picture as far as what is the status quo with small mom and pop restaurant marketing and why this is so critical we have chains and chains do have a lot of technology and they have a lot of resources but we also have mom and pop restaurants on every corner paint the picture of this whole scene of the restaurant industry how antiquated is it 
How do they have to rely on getting customers? What's the missing piece? Paint that for our audience. Sure. Before that, right, let's understand the psyche of the person, of the restaurant industry itself, like uh, right in the sense. Oh, yeah. If you look at the restaurant industry, obviously there are more than 2 million restaurants within U.S. itself, both mom and pop and chains, out of which I think, again, might be wrong, but maybe around 40% might be chains and the rest of them are actually mom and pop restaurants. So you're looking at a million plus. So for me, when I say mom and Mm -hmm. pops, who are actually, again, three to five units or even that are still considered mom and pop, they're not chains, right? Like the established chains. The industry as such is that anyone with a little bit of capital can start the industry. And people who start the industry, mom and pop specifically, are very, very passionate people, right? In the sense that this is my favorite saying, and I tell this to my wife as well, to my family, that I work hard when others are partying. That means on weekends and holidays. On a Friday evening, I'm actually attending the calls where my family wants to go out for dinner. Even during dinner, I'm actually attending the calls. The same goes with the restaurant owner, right? So that's number one. They are very, very passionate people. And the second aspect is you have to juggle a whole lot of things. Either they are the cooks and they have these great recipes that they got from their grandfather or from their family and they want to basically make sure that they can pass on this it's not like where it's a frozen meal and then they can just put it in the microwave kind of a thing right they love cooking they love cooking and to that effect the marketing for them is an afterthought they think about okay let me i have these like again i'm just let's let's give an example right let's take i have a taco place right They've been doing these tacos in a certain way and all those kind of things. And they said, I want to make sure my clientele obviously uh, can taste these tacos. Right? But obviously, again, money is definitely one aspect of things. right? So when they start, marketing is an afterthought for them. It had been and still is for most of the people. And so far, like when they start the business, they come up with grand calculations and financial analysis. And most of the people do not do that. From a marketing standpoint of view, they think that once they open, because this food is so unique, there will be a big line outside the door and they would start the business. And then <laughs> they see... If they cook it, they will come, come. Right, Just because the, the <laughs> aroma is so good that within the neighborhood, there will be a line. So first month, they see that right. they hardly make any, maybe like, I'm just, let's say $1,000 in sales per day or even less than that, right? Then they'll get panicky. And then there comes your salesperson who comes into the door and say, listen, like I'm your guy who basically distributes these pages, ad pages or whatever, right? Like or, or a brochure or something. It will go to 50,000 within this particular zip code. And out of this 50,000, you will get a minimum of 2,000 families. Will you be able to manage that kind of crowd? And all of a sudden, these people will start making calculations and say, okay, it would cost me like $1,000 per month for the next three months to do this. And I'm spending $3,000. I'm getting 2,000 families out of which they will be spending around $30, $35. So that would be like $70,000. My profit margins are this. And lo and behold, they'll go ahead and execute that particular campaign. So as to say, the marketing campaign. And that's pretty much it. That's all their ad budget is $3,000 for three months. And then they start looking, waiting for the customers. And as we know, the conversion rate is less than 1% when it comes to a postal mail, 
And then that's where one of the reasons why most restaurants fail is they do not foresee the cash flow, the run that, that they need in order to sustain. And marketing doesn't happen overnight. Building a customer base doesn't happen with one single channel. I would say that most of the restaurant owners actually are very operationally focused than marketing and building a brand and all those kind of things, which obviously the franchisees have perfected that art and that's why they are able to franchise And whereas the mom and pops, they are basically struggling because what happens is it's kind of a rabbit hole kind of a thing. Once you have the dip, they'll start trying to see how can I basically make sure I can make money and there's no money to spend on marketing. You know, I agree with you. That reminds me, a downtown near to me has had great restaurants crop up, leave, crop up, leave, crop up, leave in their downtown. And the city came up with a grant to help these restaurants get going. And they ended up contacting my agency for help, but the grant was not for marketing. It was for kitchen and kitchen supplies and this and that. And I said, the reason why these guys are leaving is they don't have customers. They don't have marketing. They're going to give them all this, this grant, this money for kitchen supplies. But at the end of the day, they have to have customers. And it's not just restaurants that don't think that way, which is baffling to me. Absolutely. Right? Yep. You mentioned one thing that I found very interesting, and it's true. Like some of them are not technology savvy. How do you get over that hurdle of helping them with that or convincing them of that or getting them to see that this is something that's needed because your entire platform is technology? Whenever I go and talk to the restaurant owner, I don't talk about data. I don't talk about data-driven marketing or anything like that. We basically approach this one as talking to them more in terms of the pain points and trying to make them understand that marketing is all about multiple touch points, about trying to reach to the customer, not once, but on a continuous basis. Like Even though you're a customer today, doesn't mean that the customer is going to come back. You want to make sure that the customer is happy. And then the second aspect is we do not talk about technology mostly. We talk about more from a services point of view, and that's our differentiating factor in the sense that we have a marketing person, a dedicated marketing person talking to you whenever you want. But even before you want to talk to us, we will basically approach you. Like, for example, today morning, I had a call with a couple of managers of a local chain that we work with, and we were talking about, like, okay, what are the things that we can do to improve the loyalty program that we are implementing for them? How can we actually enthuse the employees to be part of this particular program and how we can actually have a competition with an Amazon gift card, right? So the services aspect of it is our differentiating factor so that the mom and pops because when you talk about technology most of them even do not know how to like okay what is a google drive what is a domain name right so rather than talking about technology we talk about more in terms of services more in terms of how we will actually help them grow wade through this competition and we are their marketing not gurus, but more in terms of advisors, so as to say. So we have a lot of those interactions where we say, if someone comes and says, hey, most of the time they show a paper saying that someone sent me a message saying that I have to pay $279 for a domain name. And I say that bogus, don't even talk to them. Or someone they call and say, someone is calling from Google. I say, 
no one is going to call you from Google, right? <laughs> That's the differentiating in yeah. the sense we actually focus on more on services part because most of the mom and pop restaurants, they do not have time. I wouldn't say capability, but more in terms of the time-wise and also in terms of the technological know-how kind of a thing to focus on data and all yeah. these things. But it is a technology platform. I mean, I get I get the service, right? What are some of the wins that your restaurants have been having with this technology platform and using data to organize their marketing? Couple of factors, right? We focus on the revenues. And then the second aspect is the number of customers slash the engagement that we are getting, right? So our focus always has been if you look at what we call as the A to A funnel, awareness to advocacy, that is our platform where we focus on all these stages from a customer journey perspective. How many people are interacting with the brand on in a given month? How many people are becoming aware of the brand, interacting with the brand? How many of them are actually converting into a real customers? How many of them are coming back? And how many of them are actually talking about the brand to their friends and family? Those are great data points, like absolutely great data points. What are the biggest pain points that your clients come to you for? They just don't have enough customers. Is that the biggest pain point or do they even know? So their main point is that, hey, my business is not growing, but at the same time, they do not know who their customer is. For example, I'm talking about this loyalty customer, right? Like the question this manager had is like, how can I identify this particular is coming back or if they have a question saying that how many points I have and all those kind of things. And we say that, hey, here is the dashboard that you have access to. If you click on this particular link, you can actually see when this customer had come back and all those kind of things. And obviously, right, like when it is too busy and all those kind of things, if a customer is asking for that, you can always take their information and reach out to us so that we can reach them or we can provide more information so that you can call the customer directly later but you have all these dashboards. If I walk into the door and if uh, someone says, hey, Sashi, welcome to Domino's Pizza or welcome to my pizza, my neighborhood pizza or something, I would feel important. I would feel recognized. I would feel that this is a personalized service. So that is the one is definitely the revenues aspect in terms of more customers. The next is like, it would only come if I offer a personalized service, which is knowing the customer well. Yeah. What do you find is your biggest challenge that you have as an innovator? Within the industry itself, if you look at the restaurant owner, on an average, they get at least 15 to 20 calls a day, selling them from ranging from produce to napkins to marketing services to domain services to whatever be the case. So from an MConnect perspective, how can we cut through this 15, 20 calls that someone is getting and showing that we are completely different from others. Like I would say that a one-stop shop in terms of mom and pop's restaurant marketing needs, right from setting up your local or online presence, your website, social media, and all those things, being a part of the community involvement, trying to reach out to the foodies and cutting through all these 15, 20 different calls. How can we make it, right? And then obviously once we do that, making sure that they understand that, hey, it's obviously, as I said early on, right? We are not talking about data-driven marketing, but at the same time, I want these people to understand the importance of data and making sure that they can basically act on it and make sure that the employees are also act on that part, part piece of things, right? I guess like once we land up with a client, how can we make sure that the client also understands the importance of data and then tries to 
I'm not saying change their ways of doing business, but at least focus on one or two parts of it so that they can kind of build on that one. Yeah, it has to be an incremental approach, it seems like. So just like every disruptor, education is one of the big hurdles. And it seems to be the same for you. Yes. So with this data-driven approach to marketing, what are the goals for MConnect? And how do you see the adoption of this type? Like at a certain point, there's going to be a tipping point where small businesses and restaurants realize that they're going to have to take, you know, a different approach. What are the goals for MConnect? And then where do you see this tipping point happening just in the SMB restaurant industry itself? Our mission is basically MConnect should be uh, known or we are positioning ourselves to be the data-driven experts within the restaurant industry for any restaurant, whether it's in the mom and pops or even in the smaller chains or even in the bigger chains, right? So, for example, right now we are working with a chat GPT, integrating chat GPT into the entire stream of our products, right? So from an innovation standpoint of view, we just not, because it's constantly changing. So one thing that we are working on is integrating chat GPT. So we want to be known as the leading data-driven technology, marketing technology company within the restaurant industry. As far as data-driven, like data-driven marketing, data-driven for organized, data-driven for restaurants, At some point, there is going to be a tipping point where restaurants, it will be not a nice to have or something. It will be a must have. It will be vital. When do you see that tipping point happening? It's kind of, at least when I started the company, there was like nothing called data driven or anything like that, right? But to be very frank, I'm seeing the progress in terms of more and more uh, restaurant clients are looking at it. But that portion of people who are actually looking at it is very minuscule. But most of the mom and pops, they do not understand the data driven or anything like that because the data they actually have is a gold mine, technically speaking. COVID was a big thing when it comes to from a technology adoption point of view. So when we talk about data, right? Data means you need to have some tools. Tools means technology. And COVID was a big factor in terms of at least people started talking about online ordering, people started about delivery technologies, people started talking about point of sale systems and all those kind of things. And what I would assume is with chat GPT also coming into play, because that, again, it all depends on the trends, right? When Facebook started and everyone was on Facebook and all the restaurants said the very, at that point of time, the good big thing was, hey, I want to be on social media, right? So from a tipping point of view, right? Like I would see all these improvements in terms of the technology, like People now, nowadays, you can see robotics everywhere, like the uh, shortages of these things. So all these things actually will lead where people can understand that all these tools are generating data and that I can actually use this data for better outcomes from a business standpoint of view, whether it is operations or marketing. And that tipping point to me is maybe within the next two to five years. That's very interesting to me. Well, I really hope that happens because SMBs are the backbone of the U.S. economy and we all love food. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Sashu, how do people get a hold of you? Email or website is the one thing, mconnect.com, mconnect with a K, M-K-O-N-N-E-K-T, right? So multiple ways in which you can, anyone who wants to have a chat, it's not just about sales, right? Hey, I want to know more about data-driven marketing 
know more about technology in restaurants. I want to know more about marketing in general, or I just want to say hi. So um, you can go to our website or you can just uh, send me an email, seshu at mconnect.com, or you can go to our LinkedIn page, or even you can tweet us at mconnect as well, the handle. Either one of our staff members will definitely reach to you within 24 to 48 business hours. Or again, as I said, right, like we are pretty much accessible at this point of time through multiple channels. LinkedIn. That's how you and I met, LinkedIn. Seshu, I wish you the best of luck. I think what you're doing is vitally important. I see a lot of stuff in the restaurant industry of tap, order, and pay and you know things like that. But this particular aspect is close to my heart because what you said is true. They are sitting on a gold mine and you're helping to mine the gold. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you and uh, hopefully to the rest of the people as well. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from this show. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Because we live in a highly litigious society with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This advice is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal healthcare or financial advice or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal issue or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links. Do not create an agency client relationship between Joto PR and the user.